welcome to the Sacred City Life podcast. This is your host, Pastor Justin Dean. This podcast is all about helping you follow Jesus in the everyday normal rhythms of life. Three men on the podcast with me today. Gentlemen, would you introduce yourselves? Kevin Kenora, biblical counselor. Sam Schmidt, pastor at Sacred City Moline. Alex Tate, Sacred City Youth Director. Okay, we are going to continue our journey through the kingdom of the cults. And if you missed that last podcast, we did an introduction on what a cult is, and we talked about the Jehovah's Witnesses, and kind of 30,000-foot view, in a sense. We didn't get down into the weeds too much. Well, today we're going to talk about Mormonism. And um, now, I am no expert on this, and I know we have um, ex-Mormons in our, in our church, and their experiences might be different than what we're going to describe today. We're going to be talking about some of the official teachings of the church and specifically what they believe and where they depart from scripture. Mm -hmm. But before we do that, let's just get into a little bit of where Mormonism came from. Kevin, you want to start us off on the history of that? You bet. Yeah. So uh, Mormonism was founded, oh, what I say, about 1870? Nope. 1830. Excuse me, 1830 different cult in 1870 1830 so 1830 jehovah's witnesses 1870 so jehovah's witnesses they actually have some overlapping Mm -hmm. beliefs about god's throne and on a different planet and out there in a planet they have some weird stuff cosmology they have some weird cosmology that they share in common that the jehovah's witness probably borrowed from mormonism yeah for sure so founded by joseph smith jr um obviously joseph smith senior was his father so his father was uh, as well documented as kind of a mystic, meaning um, occultic practices, strange talismans, we'd say witchcraft. So he's big into that, and he would use those. We would call that new age. Yeah, new age. Like new age stuff. He was into some weird stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And um, hunting kind of avidly for buried treasure was, was more or less a, a family affair. Um, and so Joseph Smith Jr., as we know him, very well known. I mean, he was his father's son through and through, right? So he's well documented actually using things like seeing stones, talismans, these kinds of um, mystical occultic objects to find treasure, to find clarity. He was um, the original Indiana Jones. Yeah. <clears throat> um, and, and so basically you can see kind of, well, at least where I'm heading with this, um, big into the occult, big into... I would call demon worship, right? Using witchcraft. Um, or maybe not worship, but <clears throat> playing playing with elements of darkness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And again, we can just go back into Galatians 1.8 mm-hmm. that says if, if an angel shows up to you and preaches to you a dif- different gospel, don't listen to him. Let that person be accursed, right? Like, let that person be accursed. And in our day and age, we joke about Ouija boards and we joke about... Um, what are those little tarot cards? Tarot cards mm. and palm readers. Palm readers and the the, uh, the what are those pin cushion? You know, like the voodoo dolls. Voodoo dolls and just all kind of like that kind of occultic practice. We joke about that stuff. We go to if you go on vacation um, down to New Orleans, you might even pick that stuff up and laugh about it. Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell you, that's not stuff to laugh about. Right. If Satan can deceive us, so Satan can deceive us in multiple ways. Satan can deceive us by believing, hey, everything's, there's no spiritual world. There's no evil. There's no darkness. It's all just accoutrements. It's all just toys. It's all just, you know, 
you know, necklaces. Ha ha ha. Yeah. And he can deceive you that way and take you down the full route of secularism and destroy your soul. If he can do it that way, he will. But if he wants to go a different route and actually basically t- let you use those things to tap into some kind of dark, evil power, yeah. he can. He masquerades as an angel of light. Yeah. That means he can even do those things and maybe they don't scare the literal hell out of you because you're seeing demons and all this stuff. Maybe all you're doing is hearing revelations and mm-hmm. seeing light. And mm-hmm. They're telling you some things about your grandmother and that person's, you know, the, the, yep. the devil, the, the spiritual realities are real mm-hmm. and we need to be awake to them, okay? So this man is dabbling with all kind of yeah. spiritualities. Let's, mm-hmm. let's just say it like that, yeah. okay? And then what happens? Yeah, so then... Um, at some point in his life, he sees he goes in the woods by himself. He's supposedly oh, didn't we hear that already? Yeah, I know. Right? This is Crazy. in New York. Stop me if you've heard this one before. This is in New York. This is in New York. Yep. Okay, so this is not some ancient religion, right? That's that's coming from Egypt or coming from, you know, the Promised Land or that's coming from China. This is 1830s mm-hmm. New York. Yeah, so 1830s, he's in the woods, basically looking for treasure. He. Um, sees a vision of the Heavenly Father that changes his life, but obviously it doesn't because immediately after he goes back to treasure hunting, right? Well, hold on. You said Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father. That's what he said? That's what he said. So there's two visions. Okay. Right? The first one was, I I can't remember, 10, 15 years before the more well-known one. So you see the story changes over time. Okay. So when does he see the, the angel Moroni? I, I don't remember the date off the top of my head. Is this that vision or no? You don't remember? Th- this is not that. Okay. Yeah, the first one, if I'm not mistaken, it is. there's two persons in the vision. And one is who he says is God the Father. Mm-hmm. And he points to this other figure and says, listen to my son. Yes. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And so life-changing, but it wasn't. So Jesus was there too? That's what Allegedly, he says. That's what he says. Wow, okay. And so it wasn't, wasn't until roughly 1830 when he sees the vision that we know of the angel Moroni. Um, so in my research, I found actually one of the greatest embarrassments in the Mormon church is sometimes it's the angel Moroni. Sometimes it's this, this angel called Nephi. Um, mm. so, well, uh, I would change it to Nephi too, because I would never listen to anybody with the name Moron. <laughs> Moron. It begins with Moron. You can put an AI at the end of it, but if you be, if your name begins with moron, I'm probably not listening to you. Red flags everywhere, right? <laughs> and so it's in this the second vision, a moronic it. angel, <laughs> where the angel reveals to him. Basically, sorry, guys, I'm sorry. I, if if I'm not well, I, no, we can make fun of this I don't because know if Mormons are listening to this. Well, yeah, there might practicing, be practicing. practicing. There might be. Go ahead. So sees a vision of allegedly an angel who reveals to him the specific location of this Third Testament, what we know as the Book of Mormon. Apparently, it's inscribed on a set of golden plates, so really appealing to Joseph Smith Jr. as a treasure hunter, right? Go dig up this 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 buried treasure, um, transcribe it onto paper, melt down the plates, and oh, hey, by the way, here's a pair of spe- spectacles consisting of umen and Thuman? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, from the Old Testament. You're going to need these to translate <clears throat> okay. those glasses. So get rid of all corroborating evidence. Exactly. Oh, the golden plates that they were written on. Let's get rid of the original documents. Yes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Doesn't seem suspicious. Let's get it? rid of the original documents. You translate it, okay? And here's some special 
Indiana Jones decoder glasses yes. that you can use to understand the the, the writing on the plates. Okay. Yes, but right. sounds but, sounds legit. Sounds legit so far. Then the argument became melt down these plates when people question it. This is what God is trying to do, right? He's trying to increase your faith, or he's trying to increase these people's faith, right? So basically, I think what we're seeing is he uses this as, as kind of a manipulation. No, no, no. You know, if you have enough faith, you'll just believe. Okay. Well, if you have enough faith, you'll believe Galatians 1.8, <laughs> that God doesn't need any more revelation, mm-hmm. that God doesn't need another gospel, that Jesus Christ is the light of the world. We don't need any more light. We've got everything we need for life and godliness in the scriptures themselves, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Uh, I'm reminded of a quote. And of course, I'm going to butcher it. And I can't, I think it's Chesterton. I think it's Chesterton that said something along the lines of, you know, well, now I'm going to, I'm going to butcher it, but it's Christianity has, has not been tried and found wanting. It's been tried and found difficult Mm -hmm. or it's been found difficult and not tried anymore. Mm. Right. So like Christianity is, has everything we need, but it's, but it's not easy to hold to the faith. It's not easy to keep the scriptures. It's not easy to do these things. Right. And so what do we want to do? We want to improve upon them. We want to change them. We want to adjust them. We want to modernize them. Yeah. Right. Did you look up that quote by the chance? G.K. Chesterton, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. There we go. So you're right on. There we go. I was muddled up in my head, so I'm (laughs) glad it came out decent. All right. If you had those glasses, you probably could. <laughs> <do it. laughs> Only for $19.99. Bro, that's what Elon's trying to do. Elon's trying to put them glasses in your head, man. man. That neural link. He's going to put them magic glasses in your head. Right. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, again, similar story. Ex- more revelation outside of scripture. Mm-hmm. Happens in the woods. Happens all alone. No corroborating evidence Mm -hmm. in God even wants it to be hard to understand. So he tells him to destroy it. What did he do with all the gold? I wonder, you know, like gold, destroy these gold plates, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. All right. One of the things with that first vision, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, he says, I, two persons, I met him in a vision or whatever. They appeared to me and his question was, well, okay, what church do I go back to? They said, none of them. Mm -hmm. They're all wrong. Mm -hmm. And so that starts prodding this, okay, there's, there's a new revelation. There's a new church that Joseph Smith is now responsible for starting. I want you to hear that claim. I think many people make similar claims today. Oh, there's no good churches in my town. There's no good churches. And there, there are some times where there are no good churches. But we would say, as Reformation Christians, mm-hmm. when the Reformation happened, the Reformation was not a revolution. It was not a cutting off and starting something new. Right. The Reformation was a renewal movement, mm-hmm. that they were here to reform the Catholic Church back to the original documents, the scriptures themselves. Because at the time, the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church still does this, they, 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 quote, they read two books. They read the book of Revelations. Like the, I mean, what I mean by that is they read the Bible, and they read church history, yeah. what the Pope has said, what the church historically mm-hmm. has said. And they have, they basically say the church interprets the Bible yeah. or the Pope interprets the Bible for us. So the Pope, and we, we know, you can go back and popes have changed their minds, right? Mm-hmm. Which 
should be, you know, it should be self self refutating, right? Because when a pope changes mind and he's infallible, that that you would think that people would be like, okay, we can no longer listen to that. But no, they they don't. They keep going. As the reformer said, no scripture is infallible. Anyone's interpretation, no one's interpretation is infallible, but scripture itself is infallible. So the Reformation was a return back to the original text, a return back to scriptures. So that's why the reformers, they went back and they learned Greek. They went back and they learned Hebrew. They went back and they learned Latin. They went back and they learned Aramaic. They went back and learned so they could understand the, you know, they could understand uh, the text in its original language, right? And they could then uh, translate it to their modern vernacular, wherever they were at, if it was, you know, Geneva or if it was in Germany or wherever it was. So we see with the Reformation, it's a return, again, Mm -hmm. back to the text of Scripture. Here, we have something totally different. We have this angel saying, no church is getting it right. Mm -hmm. We're starting over. Something total. So do you see that? Just a complete, every that total apostasy. No one else gets it right. Joseph, you're, you're going to get it right. You're crushing it, buddy. Mm-hmm. Now, can you just think about the arrogance of that statement right there, right? A, Indiana Jones out in the desert, you're the guy who's going to get it right. Mm. No formal training, no Hebrew, no Greek, no understanding of history, no understand. you know what, like just an, a mystic treasure hunter, you're the guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What could go wrong? <laughs> right? All right, so they are now, the Mormons believe they are now, at this moment, Joseph starts teaching this, we are the true yes. church. Mm-hmm. We're the only true church on the planet. Right, and everybody else who claims the name of Christ is apostate, and even even the name, the Church of Christ of Latter-day Saints, is meant to be a jab. It's like, we're, we're the true saints, you guys aren't. Yeah. All right. Okay. <clears throat> now we're going to get into some crazy beliefs, right? Um, You can go up, again, you can can Google some of this stuff if you want to get into it. Their cosmology is absolutely bizarre. (laughs) Um, They believe like the gods live on a certain planet and these, on these planets, they have, the gods, of course, have multiple wives and they're having all kind of celestial sex. Like that's celestial sex is a big thing in yes. Mormonism. All right. <clears throat> Again, going back to our cults, many cults, they have weird, aberrant sexual practices. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm, why? Because when man makes a religion, more than likely, because a man has uh, a lot of virility, he has a lot of, you know, sexual desires. He's going to build a religion that helps him maximize his sexual desires. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so we can get. I mean, I, I can't get into all that cosmology because it's too confusing. But when you start listening to it, it's abs- It's it's really bizarre, yeah. and it's really out there. Yeah, yeah. So, with that, um, the one of their beliefs is that God is just one God of many. So there's somewhere out there. Could be millions of gods. Millions of gods, and there Mm -hmm. just happens to be this one God that's connected to humanity. He has a flesh and bone body, Mm -hmm. but he will never perish, Mm -hmm. right? And he has sex with a lot of different celestial beings, apparently. 
Um, one of the things they believe about Jesus is that one of these angels or one of these sons of gods literally left this planet, left mm-hmm. that planet way, way far away yep. and came and had sex mm-hmm. with Mary. Mm-hmm. And that's how J- Jesus was born, right? Um, he wasn't the son of God. He was a son of a God. Mm-hmm. All right. <clears throat> um, they believe the Trinity consists of three separate and unique gods. So the fa- we believe the Father, the Son, the Spirit are one. Again, Jesus said, I and the Father are one. He says his will is, the, is one with the Father. You know, what the Father plans, Jesus executes on this earth, and the Spirit applies to believers. Mm-hmm. Well, they believe, no, they're just three different gods. Mm-hmm. Okay, so well, they don't... So- so real quick, how did God the Father get a start? Enlighten me, because I don't remember. Yeah, yeah. So God the Father, according to Mormonism, was a plain old regular normal guy, just like the rest of us, who lived mm. in his own strength such a great life that he pulled himself up by his bootstraps and became a perfect celestial being. So he wasn't perfect, and then he was perfect. Uh huh. I got I got questions. Mm, you should. But where does he come from? Yeah. Logically, where do you come from? If you're uncreated, you're God. Mm-hmm. If you're never created, you are God. Yeah. Right? How could you create? How can someone create themselves and then not be perfect? Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I don't know the answer to that because it's not logically consistent. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Right. That's why we're talking about it. That's the the law of uh, what what was that law the, the the law of logic that's something about the middle right law of the excluded middle yeah the law law of the ex- excluded middle mm-hmm. either a thing was created or it wasn't created mm-hmm. there is no third option right right so the categories that, that just it doesn't it doesn't work mm-hmm. and the law of con- non contradiction a thing can't be both created and not created right it it defies logic itself mm-hmm. so. Again, I think it just fails the laws, the laws of logic, and the laws of logic are something that God God's given us that mm-hmm. you can't see, but they're true, and mo- most people recognize yeah. recognize the laws of logic, yeah. right? Well, because they believe that God did that, Mormons also believe that human beings are able to become like God, mm-hmm. right? Now, again, this is this reminds us of the oldest. Uh, temptation in the in the scriptures, where the Satan Satan whispered to Eve, "You know, you can become like God. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. You can become like God. You can become like God." Um, or, or even Satan's own temptation of it. You know, t- in his own self, like you can become like God, and he wanted God's throne. Mm-hmm. So there's some bizarre stuff here. They believe that. You could become like God, mm-hmm. and when you go to heaven when you die, basically a man will have a plethora of wives, right, in the, mm-hmm. in the afterlife. So, they, so there's, we, we know there's, in the original when they started, they, they believed in polygamy, mm-hmm. right, that one, one man could have multiple wives. Now, this gets tricky because obviously when we go back and read the Old Testament, some men had multiple wives. This is something um, wealthy men did because they could. They could provide for multiple women. 
And it's never condoned in scripture. It's never prescribed in scripture. It's never said that it's a good thing in scripture. In fact, every time it happens in scripture, terror happens. Catastrophe. Catastrophe. Destruction. Um, I mean, it's, it's always depicted poorly in scripture. But I think when you look at it, it's like you look at the New Testament, it's like, where do you see Jesus having a side piece? Yeah. <laughs> you don't. Well, you that, don't. that's kind of funny because um, they say that Jesus did have a side piece. He had multiple women. He had multiple babies. And that his, and eventually they show him, um, Joseph mm. Smith was, was in the lineage of Jesus. Mm. So that's why he was so special. Right. He was in the lineage of Jesus, that Jesus had these secret affairs or something, and, and he had this seed. Hmm. This is kind of like some Da Vinci Code type stuff. Yeah. You know, you get into that weird stuff with Da Vinci Code, too. Um, <clears throat> and he had, you know, he had sex, and he had children, and hey, surprise, surprise, 1,800 years later, Joseph Smith's one of them. He does a 23 in me or whatever it is. <laughs> D, the angel gives him a DNA test. And guess what? You're one of the seeds of Jesus. Oh, wow. Wow. And he's like, oh, I thought I was just like an Indiana Jones, you know? Which is interesting because it actually makes Joseph Smith out to be, in one sense, the child of promise instead of Christ. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. <clears throat> so now we're not going to get into this, but yet... But eventually, Joseph Smith meets Brigham Young, mm-hmm. and Brigham Young becomes a convert or whatever, and start. And he's a very charismatic type of dude. And Brigham Young, so you would hear Brigham Young University, BYU, right? And they and again, they're moving out west, right? They get kicked out of everywhere because they have all these aberrant beliefs, and nobody wants them there. And their polygamy is, you know, destroying civil society, and so they're getting driven to the edges of society. And so they take off, um, they take off out West, right? Well, Brigham Young himself had 56 or 57. I can't remember the number 56 or 57 wives. Damn. 56. Or 57. I mean, was busy all the time. Wives, <laughs> dude, man, it's crazy. Um, so of course they believe in polygamy and they're still, I mean, they're another one of those uh, a cult that has they they try to change their beliefs and mm-hmm. and they they morph and they some of them want to be more socially acceptable than others mm-hmm. and so which is interesting because when I think it was Utah when Utah banned polygamy guess what oh we had a new revelation mm-hmm. we had a new revelation mm-hmm. and uh, yeah we we don't practice polygamy anymore mm-hmm. but there's still some you guys have probably seen it on TV. Uh, there, I can't remember the name of the show. Sister Wives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sister Wives was out yep. there, and I, I, and I just saw something pop up in my newsfeed, you know, a week or so ago, that 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 family, you know, they're no longer Sister Wives. That they've whatever happened, divorced, or they're no longer. They're t- at least two of them are no longer Sister Wives. Think it didn't go well for them. It did not go well for them. Surprise, oh. surprise. You know, polygamy and fame. Pick your poison. They're both detrimental to your soul. Now, I don't, I don't want to joke about this because Jesus Christ said it was appointed in the beginning one man and one woman for yeah. marriage. That's what Jesus, the Son of God, said. So anyone who says anything different is a liar. 
He is the son of God. He was there in the beginning. He knows what God's plan was for Adam and Eve. And Jesus, 2,000 years ago, said, it's appointed one man, one woman. That's what marriage is. That's how human flourishing happens. Yeah. One man, one woman, one family, right? In a covenant of marriage for life. You start adding wives into that situation it's going to create all kind of brokenness, all kind of pain, all kind of hurt, and it's going to really damage children. It's going to, it's just does a lot of detrimental, there's a lot of detrimental effects to the soul. Now, I'm not saying that that man is going to be necessarily physically abusive or sexually abusive, or you can have, quote unquote, a loving home. You could have a you know, you could have a moral home in one sense. Now, this is not a moral. This is this is a moral, having multiple yeah. wives. But you know, I'm not I'm not trying to demonize anyone and and say that the, the absolute devil. But it's not God's design. It's not how we're built. And man, it's detrimental to everyone involved mm -hmm. to have that kind of situation. All right. Um, We've already talked about, oh, they, they believe that Jesus was the firstborn spirit child of the Heavenly Father and the Heavenly Mother. So again, that angel or whatever, that son of God came and had sex. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus progressed to godhood in the spirit world and was later put in Mary's womb and physically conceived to be God's literally only begotten son. So That's as a lot the of gymnastics, yeah, the text says Jesus grew in wisdom and favor with God and man as he grew in, as, he, as a boy, right? He didn't. It's just some some bizarre stuff. What what's going on with the three kingdom stuff, Kevin? I'm glad you asked. So in the the three kingdom mentality theology, if you want to call it that, um, Mormons teach that people people will end up in basically one of three kingdoms depending on their level of faithfulness, right? So they break this down into the celestial, the terrestrial and the telestial kingdoms. And so in the celestial kingdom, that's kind of the, the highest heaven. Um, that's basically, as I was doing the research, I was thinking that's that's heaven as we know it now, right? Dwelling intentionally in the fullness, the full well, presence. Okay, kind of. It's, well, not, it's definitely not heaven as we see it now. Relating to. It's full of polygamy <clears throat> and... You're going to get your own planet, yeah, sure, sure. and you rule that planet with all your sister wives. Yeah, it's weird stuff. Yeah, I was thinking. Sorry, I didn't. I didn't clarify well enough. Conceptually, it's it's their equivalent of heaven as we see it. Yeah, I should have said that. Which again, sounds fairly similar to Islam. Mm -hmm. You get a bunch of virgins to yeah. have sex with when you're in heaven. Celestial sex. It's like again, these men. What are they doing with their sex drive? What are they doing? What are they doing with their vir virility? Right? That's it's and the scriptures talk about we don't even it looks like there's not even going to be sex in heaven. Mm -hmm. Why? Because sex points us towards sex is a sign that points us to the fulfillment of sex, which is which is our union with Christ. Yeah. We're gonna be so that it's gonna be better than sex in heaven. Sex is maybe the best thing that this earth has, yeah. but heaven's gonna be beyond that. Heaven's gonna be better than that. Yeah. And these people, earthly-minded people, Muslims and Mormons, basically say, oh, what's the best thing on earth? Sex. Oh, there's got to be so much sex in heaven. Mm -hmm. And Jesus specifically denies that. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. 
Yeah, and so this this highest kingdom, according to Mormons, that's explicitly reserved for their people, right? Mormons who go to temple and, and do their good deeds and make converts and all that. So the terrestrial kingdom, um, this is kind of the the next step down. So This they, is where Jesus lives. This is where Jesus, Jesus lives. Jesus doesn't even get to go up to the fullness of the Father. Right. Wow. Okay. So they would say that you, hey, congratulations, you get the fullness of the Son, but you don't get the fullness of the Father. And so they, these are quote-unquote good people who are blinded by the deceptions of other men. So you can you can intuit they're, they're making... Um, Hey, you know, if you're if you're Christian, you believe in Jesus. If you're a quote unquote good person, yeah, you don't you don't get to go to the highest heaven where there's you know, infinite sex. But you know, as a consolation, you can be near Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the third, I'd say, prize category: the celestial kingdom. Um, these are people who, and I, even in my studies, I didn't fully understand the teaching here. But these are people who've been, quote-unquote, redeemed from the spirit prison. So they die, they go to hell. But from what I understand, you know, when Jesus descends to the dead, he saves some people on account of, I couldn't tell you what. Um, and so they go to this celestial kingdom, which is this, this third heaven. And so basically what we, what we see in these, these three heavens, it's... Um, it's, it's pluralism, right? Hey, if you're a good Mormon, you go to quote-unquote heaven. If you're a quote-unquote good person, you go to this kind of middle heaven. And if you're whatever that criteria... So this is like straight up, if you're an A student, yeah, you get this. Yeah. If you're a B student, you get this. If you're a C student, you get this. If you're an F student, you go to perdition. Yeah. Right? And you get handed over to eternal punishment. So Sorry, see, see, the, see how this changes salvation by grace alone through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone, on basis of scripture alone. We are counted righteous in Christ because of the substitutionary, vicarious life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Yeah. We are, it's scripture, it's clear. We died with Christ. We rose with Christ. We're ascended with Christ. We're reigning in Christ even now. Yeah. We're seated with him in heavenly Amen. places, scripture says. We've been given all the treasures and the riches of our salvation. Right? So we will live with him and dwell with him forever in paradise. Mm-hmm. Right? There is no levels to this thing mm-hmm. in Christianity. Right? Because we get in on Christ's works. And, and in this version, it's, a, it's another salvation by works paradigm. Mm-hmm. That there's levels and you can get in and you can get on you know, multiple floors or whatever, <clears throat> multiple you know, kingdoms. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's a, another man-made system. Yeah. And they would go so far as to say, and this is their doctrine of sin and atonement, is that none of these three levels would have even been possible to attain if Adam hadn't sinned, right? And so they actually see Adam's sin as a noble act that made it possible for human beings to become mortal. Okay, that's enough. (laughs) Damn them. Amen. That's enough. Yeah. Goodness gracious. That is absolutely... It's foolish. All, think about it. Best. Adam's sin was a good thing. Mm-hmm. All of the rape, all of the murder, mm-hmm. all of the violence, all of the hell on earth 
that we've experienced, that anybody's experienced, is because of Adam's sin. And they have the audacity to say Adam's sin was an actually a good thing yeah. because it enables us to get graded and potentially make it to these kingdoms. Yeah. Oof. Wow. Yeah, that's rough. Mm-hmm. That's rough. Mm-hmm. You lost me. You lost me, fam. I'm Praise out. God. I'm out. I'm out. So <laughs> clearly the whole text of Scripture views Adam's sin as a heinous evil yeah. that yeah. caused all of the curse, the curse upon creation. Creation itself, mm-hmm. Romans tells us, is groaning, waiting for, the, waiting for us, right, the fullness of God's people to be revealed so that all heaven, so all heavens and all new and all the earth can be renewed and restored, yeah. man. Yeah. So this is uh, demonic. It's demonic. It's just another gospel. It's another gospel. Mm-hmm. It's a false gospel. It's not good news for anyone, and it should be rejected. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. <clears throat> Anything else that you've got on there? Yeah. I mean. And this is, this is where pluralism really plays in, is where for, for like salvation, they would say that God gives just about everybody kind of like this, this general salvation, right? And, and so that's where, well, let's, let's find where you fit into these three kingdoms. Um, and so that's what they consider to be a grace. Okay, yeah, maybe you find your place in one of these kingdoms. Um, and and so the sons of perdition basically from what i understand it's hey we don't we we can't even figure out where you'd fit in this like you're not you're not a b or c so you must be f right mm. so i'd be interested to hear just like the jehovah's witness podcast and and knowing that we've we've agreed hey this is demonic this is wicked this is founded on at best, a deception from Satan. Um, how do we think about engaging Mormon missionaries? Or, or do we engage Mormon missionaries? Yeah, the reason I, I pause there is because I never have, um, in the Quad Cities, I've never had any come to my door. And so if you're living in an area that where that happens a lot, I think that you need to address that. Now, I said in the last podcast, um, I've actually only met one active Mormon. And that was when, again, when I was working in the shoe department at, um, at Von Mar, when I, was, when I was working my way through college at Augustana. And she was a delightful person. She was very kind. And she acted like she believed all the things that I believed. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't aware enough missional enough. I I'd only been saved for two years or a yeah. year and a half or something. So I had no idea, <clears throat> but their religion, like any religion, be, so when you're saved by grace alone, mm-hmm. God's grace does something miraculous in you. Yeah. It, it gives you an ability to admit your faults, to admit your weaknesses, to admit, admit your sins that makes you into a truly humble person. Mm-hmm. You don't stop sinning. We None of us stop sinning. But we are able to own it, to see it, to repent of it, to hate it, to turn from it, right? Yeah. And, and it causes us to trust in Christ and to love Christ's gospel and Christ's work in a greater, greater level. It just deepens our love for Christ, like deepens our appreciation 
before the cross? Well, because gospel, because Mormons are wrong on who Jesus is, who God is, what the gospel is, what the cross did, what resurrection is, what salvation is, what the new heavens and new earth, they don't have that kind of joy. Yeah. They just don't. Yeah. Now they can get some, you know, some joy from just the the, the normal natural things that God's given them, like family, <clears throat> and even morality. Morality does bring its own joy in yeah. in a sense. Like if you live in line with God's created world, it's going. You're going, you know, your life is going to go better in some things, right? Yeah. But underneath that, there is a deep, dark spiritual brokenness and hiding. So the, the woman that I met, she literally for the first year I knew her acted like her marriage was the best thing that had ever happened. Mm -hmm. She had did the whole thing, the special outfits, the special underwear, the special, she did did the whole thing, save themselves to marriage, saving yourself for marriage is God's plan. That's excellent. That's great. And then about a year later, she comes to work one day and she's just totally disheveled. She mm-hmm. always looked great. She was a type A woman. She was tall. She was beautiful. She was a go-getter. She was active. She had been a co- she college volleyball player. She was just a you know standout. At I think I think she went. I think her and her husband went to BYU and they're both mm-hmm. studs, right? Yeah. Everything looked great. And then he, she comes to work and she's completely disheveled. She's completely like I'm like what, what what's going on? And I'm like what's happening? And then she just unloads mm. that her whole marriage is a lie. Mm. Her whole marriage is a sham. Yeah. Mm. Her husband has been addicted to pornography for years upon years. They're like, and he's basically just saying, you need to get over it. She can't get over it. Like, he, like there was such, once you get under the surface, mm. there was so much darkness, so much deception, so much hiding and manipulation and what matters is what we look like on the outside that at that point in time, I thought Mormonism is just another Jewish religion. Mm. It's just the Jewish leaders in Jesus day all over again. They wash the outside of the cup, but the inside is filthy. He says, you look good on the outside, but inside you're full of dead men, dead men's bones. Mm. And, and how much of that whole, um, polygamist culture is really, some kind of weird, some kind of dude that's just got some weird sexual desires mm. that everybody's kind of trying to come up with socially acceptable ways to justify it. But it's really, it's just his base desires, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and there's just a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and a lot of brokenness in that, in that world. And, you know, my heart was broken for her. My heart was, was grieved for her because like he didn't want to meet up. He didn't, you know, like it was her problem. It wasn't his problem. It was her problem. She just had to get over it, you know? And and that's kind of the same thing. It's like, it's a polygamous mindset. Like I can go, it doesn't matter. What does it bother you? I can go look at all this porn. I can do all this stuff. I can masturbate and take care of myself and do all this kind of stuff. And it's not a sin, right? Because it's just a noble thing that allows me to be capable of ascending to the highest heaven. Sheesh. But, it's soul destroying mm. and destructive. And this beautiful, tall, athletic, successful girl was just absolutely crushed, yeah. absolutely crushed. And she remained that way for as long as I knew her. <clears throat> like they never got through it. They never got past it. They were going to be here for obviously four years and then move back. <clears throat> and I have no idea mm. uh, where she's at today. And I, I pray that she found Jesus Christ as, 
as her Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so now here, here's what I know. I know every, just lies with, as, as in Christianity, every Christian doesn't know what the Bible teaches. Every Christian doesn't live what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And so there are going to be some people that are raised in Mormon families that knew all this stuff and believed all this stuff. And maybe they, they've seen the darkness and they've seen the destruction. And there's going to be some where like, oh, yeah, my family wasn't really all that. You know, like I've met Mormons. Well, actually, I haven't. I've met them online. All right. Like there's a guy that I follow on YouTube. I used to follow him on YouTube who was just a mountain bike guy. Yeah. And he was a Mormon. And, and he's in Utah. But he was just kind of like a, what I call a secular Mormon. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, we're all good. Hey, as long as we don't kill each other and fight. Like, man, I'm never going to push my thing down your, your throat. Don't yeah. push yours down mine. We're all good, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pluralism. Just that. You know, just this, that. There's, so there's going to be some people that grow up in it, and they're maybe not, you know, completely damaged by it. Mm. Maybe they have a good idea who Jesus is. I don't, I don't really know. But there's going to be some people who have been deeply damaged and wounded from this. They might be ostracized from their family. They might be cut off from their family. They might be, you know, and, and if these people come to Christ, one, Jesus will heal them. Jesus forgives yeah. them. Yeah. Jesus gives grace to them. Jesus is going to revolutionize their life and he wants them to flourish and find ultimate salvation in him. And that, and that Jesus would ultimately make them into kind of like missionaries that, and I know that word can be, cause I know like this girl, she was, they graduate high school, they go, they have to do two years of missions yeah. work. I mean, they just look like great humans. Mm-hmm. They just look like great humans, but under the surface, only the gospel puts to death the lust, the flesh, the devil that's yeah. underneath the surface. Yeah. Like religion doesn't do it. And yeah. so Mormonism won't do it. It's just covering up dark and depraved hearts. Mm-hmm. And so, man, I, I want to tell anybody that's listening that that's in that family, grown up in that family around that, that Jesus offers you hope, yeah. but you've got to, you got to turn away from idols, yeah. right? You got to turn away from idols yeah. and turn to Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. Yes, Any man. other any other thoughts? I think one thing, if you're dealing with um, these missionaries that come and visit, w- one of the things that they're going to try to do for you is get you to read the Book of Mormon. And and we talked about this a little bit at the tablets and mm-hmm. the role of the Book of Mormon plays where um, they, they basically say, I think this is on their website, they they they, use, they quote a scripture, something Paul says about uh, two or more witnesses bearing truth. So they would say the scriptures what we call our Bible bear is one witness and the book of Mormon is a second witness. Mm. And though they contradict in a lot of things, they still will put the book of Mormon forward as the primary document, even though they say, yeah, we believe the Bible. And so it's, it's, if you're going to engage missionally, um, you've got to get them to play on the turf of the scriptures of here's what the Bible says. And yet you're saying the book of Mormon says this, which is clearly contradictory. So let's get in this realm and at least get them to see that Christianity and Mormonism are not, of the same cut of the same cloth as two very different things. I think that would be one of the ways that I would go about engaging with missionaries or somebody that's in, that wants to deal uh, in a conversation. You, you talked about a very like personal relational approach with that lady that you were working with. If you want somebody wants to talk ideas and ideology behind these things, I would, I would take them in that route. Yeah. yeah. It's good. <clears throat> All right. Well, there we go. Mormonism a little bit. 
30,000 foot view. We could get down in a whole lot more details. If you guys have any questions, please email me, Justin Dean at sacredcitychurch.com. Hopefully this was a blessing to you and has equipped you a little bit. And so we love you. We're praying for you. God bless. Thank you.